You're listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. Mike Connolly. Hello. And our guest today, CM von Hauswolf. Hello. We are very excited to talk with you today. You are here in Los Angeles for the Touch Fest. So we had to jump at the opportunity to uh, talk with you. So thanks so much for taking a little time to talk with us. First question is, you came all the way from Sweden to Los Angeles what passport did you use? Your Algoland Vargaland passport? Oh, and yeah. is that accepted at the airport? Uh, no, it's not accepted at the airport, actually. Uh, so that, it took a while, but then I had to, I showed them my NSK passport. It wasn't accepted either. <laughs> so then I had to show them my Swedish passport. And, uh, oh, okay, oh. so it worked. And when, yeah. when was Algoland Vargaland Founded. It was actually quite a long time ago. You know, we this year we're celebrating 30 years. Uh, so uh, we have a special celebration coming up actually in a couple of weeks in France. Because um, it's a small town in France called Bagnol-sur-Zèze, which is just one kilometer from the very famous little village called Chateau Neuf de Pape, yes. where they make their most exquisite wines. Well, this little town they gave us a bridge they gave oh, wow. the country uh, the kingdoms of Ergal and Vargaland a bridge so uh, we're I'm gonna go down there and uh, celebrate this and uh, you know open up the passport office and so on and we're gonna celebrate 30 wow. years what is the bridge over is it over water or a gap no it's over uh, water so it's yeah it's like a simple okay. bridge but still from uh, as a as a metaphor it's uh, it's a it's a wonderful um, symbol really mm-hmm. yeah there was a, a t- I believe, ten year celebration I read about where uh, what was it tra- uh, trying to pass into Estonia from Sweden? Uh, how did the, were you part of that? Yes, yes, no, yeah, of course. Uh, we were approximately ten c- citizens, one American, one German, uh, rest Swedes, but with only with Elgan and Vargalan passports. And this was the time when Estonia was not a part of the European Union. Mm-hmm. And Sweden was not a part of it either. So you really had to have like passports to get in there. And uh, yeah, we tried to get into Estonia, but we were kind of stopped in the passport control. And then and then we were like refugees for, for a while. And then the, the Estonian security police came and started to kind of interrogate. <laughs> and, we, and then they confiscated our Elgal and Vagalan passport. And then they sent us back to the ship, back to Stockholm. Wow. So uh, we had this uh, idea to prosecute Estonia for art theft because it's an artwork, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, okay. And it was pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine. Uh, can you tell us more about the beginnings of Ugland Vagaland? Yes, I mean, it was me and uh, uh, my dear friend and colleague Leif Eligren. And um, we had we have separately and together worked with like power symbols and uh, like images and sounds and, and installations and so on that had to do with power, like power symbols. Mm-hmm. And uh, then one day I just said to Leif, maybe we should take this a bit further. Why don't we take, take it into practice? Let's start a country. Uh, so, and this was in 1991, somewhere around there. In 1992, we kind of proclaimed the country and then we wrote a constitution and then we just started to make flags and all that kind of things and then starting to open embassies and so on. So actually we inaugurated an embassy here in LA in 1999. Okay. 
which was uh, at the Robert Berman Gallery and, and uh, what do you call it, a- area where, where the galleries are in Santa Monica, uh, Bergamon Station area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's, it has a long story. Uh, how many citizens do you presently have? Now we have 1,400 okay. citizens. So we're more citizens than the Vatican. Oh, wow. Uh, that's incredible. <laughs> and of course, the anthem written by John Duncan. We have this mm-hmm. one of the versions. It's actually 30 versions wow. of, of the national anthem. Wow. Uh, and the anthem is based on an old Swedish military march that we just ripped off from, from them. It was written in 1705 or something like this. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> are, are, were they all the anthems made by citizens of Uggland Vargaland? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and it's based on that march, and then they can just like you know mix it up and screw it up the the way that they want to do it. So, some people is actually just played it like very straight a piano melody. Yeah, and uh, others like John or, or they just like mixed you know like really kind of mutated it and and uh, created more like a noisy noisier versions and so on. And okay. uh, there are underwater versions and uh, yodeling versions and, <laughs> and all kinds of versions. Or can you hear all these on the Uggland Vargaland website? No, you can't. So uh, there's there, there's some made into records and some are still kind of waiting to to get out. We we play them on 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 uh, ceremonies and and, uh, and yeah. Okay. Sort of live. Yeah. Well, you Incredible. know, talking about uh, you being from Sweden uh, and you're from uh, Linköping, is yeah. that right? Yeah. Um, there's a, another sort of famous kind of label from there, which is Cold Meat Industry. Did you have any ties with them in the in the 80s? No, we didn't have any ties with them. I mean, I know Roger since the 80s, right? Roger Kamanik. Uh, so, uh, and I'm 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 born in that town. So, uh, Leif Elgen is born there too, and several others. Uh, What's uh, in the water there? Yeah, yeah something's yeah, it's like maybe it's like nothing in the water. That's <laughs> why you, you have to kind of come up with something, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but uh, I met him several times, uh, and uh, he, he's he's kind of a good friend. But uh, he had his kind of ideas and being in in Linköping, and I, I was in the eighties in Göteborg, which is on the west coast, and I started a label there. Uh, and then uh, that being the radium label. Yeah, that's the mm-hmm. radium label. And the, is the first record around nineteen eighty? Is that would that be about right? Yeah, nineteen eighty three, some around there. Yeah. Wow. So what hmm. led you to, what 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 got you to that point where you're going to start a label? You're putting out a record. What was your path to that? Well, it was all this kind of. Uh, it was. I mean, it's 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 the times, right? I mean, we will probably, you know, mention that when we when we talk with Mike Harding and Touch and so on, because it's the same time when the 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 all that that kind of punk aesthetics, uh, which also meant to do it yourself situation, uh, start your own label. Why why are you gonna wait around for these major labels to to? Uh, they're not gonna do anything with you anyway. So why didn't you just do it yourself? So. Like everybody else, we were just like, well, I mean, we were composers and musicians and just like, why don't we start our own label, you know? And then it it uh, it just carried on from there. And it was not really only a label. It was actually started as a magazine. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Uh, because the friend, um, my friend Ulrich Hillebrand, who, who, whom I, I started Radium with, 
he was uh, uh, into the literary world and he was uh, friends with uh, people like uh, Udo Breger, uh, John Giorno, William Burroughs, Brian Geisin, and that kind of beat world. Uh, so he introduced me to those people and then we started this magazine based upon that we knew these authors and these, uh, these uh, pe people. But then... It just happened that we started to make a record and then we made another one. And then, <laughs> you know. So have you always been, you know, duly interested in music and literature? I know you went uh, to the place where Rumbo lived for a while mm -hmm. in Ethiopia. Um, has that always been another passion of yours? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's always like goes hand in hand. I think like music, lit literature, visual art always goes hand in hand and, and, uh, I mean, Ram, after Rambo, for instance, I mean, I don't think I, well, I, I would pr probably have read him anyway, but uh, uh, when Horses came out in 1975 by Patti Smith, she was like raving about mm -hmm. Rambo. And this record, I bought this record because it was produced by John Cale. And I realized this is a really great record. And then it was like all Rambo. And then who's this Rambo, you know? And then there was Swedish uh, translations and then... Uh, I read about Rambo and then I was kind of, I was sort of 19 and I read Rambo. It's actually, he stopped writing poetry when he was 20. Mm -hmm. So I realized, shit, I only have one year, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I better start doing something, you know, so you know, get you going. So yeah, no, I mean, all the, the literature, I mean, uh, it's, it's kind of uh, going along the path, you know, with, with, uh, with experimental music, noise music, uh, and so on. It's always hand in hand, I think. And uh, what were you using on some of those early records, like Conductor? What what mm -hmm. what kind of gear were you using? Uh, for that one, I used. Uh, uh, I wanted to come up with some kind of instruments that that um, that, that didn't really have a, like an, an, a reference. Uh, so I there, this is actually mostly contact microphones on my body, and then there was a noise created in a big water tower uh, and the noises were sort of transferred through my bones and my body and then into the, that microphone and into a, a recorder. And then I used these sounds to, to uh, make this kind of droney uh, record that uh, in 1982, 83, somewhere around there. Wow. Okay. Yeah. We always talk about humans as a pedal, like you'd be like a guitar pedal because whatever you play is going to go through yourself and it changes what it, what your output. So yeah. you literally used your body as yeah. a, a pedal yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for like all a pedal. the sounds yeah. around you. So yeah. you physically did that. What's a special microphone I got uh, from the... Uh, from some um, uh, department of the Linköping University. Uh, so it was it pick, picked up um, the sound really, really well. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what's the Swedish version of Radio Shack or, you know, a place where yeah. you buy parts for no, equipment? No, that you have to kind of go and borrow at the, at the, the special department for uh, uh, medicine. Oh, wow. Uh, because they had really these kind of really great microphones that picked up, because... Um, the um, stethoscopes is just air, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have to really have, need to pick it up really well. So in those days, as I said, there was a special box. I just borrowed it and then lent it back to them. Oh, wow. So yeah, you go somewhere else. <laughs> so there is there is places to go and buy equipment, yeah. of course. <laughs> well, that sounds even better, though. <laughs> <laughs> so you've always been interested in really exploring all possibilities of how to create sound and not just the easiest way. Yeah. And I was, I have never been 
interesting to learn anything. Um, I mean, I grew up in the kind of rock and roll world, right? So I, and I, I have, uh, in the eighties somewhere I played uh, electric guitar and these kind of things in some rock bands, but I was not really interesting to learn because I, you know, I have my, like Robert Fripp and these guitarists, you know, I mean, they, they play guitar, you know, why, why should I do it? They do it, you know, and I don't have to be another Robert Fripp. Maybe I have to do something else so, that, so I can be me. So, um, uh, yeah, so I kind of never really learned how to use a mixer. Like I never had somebody to teach me. I kind of got a mixer and I kind of, how is this working? And I was just doing that. And then suddenly I realized it's fun if you do things the wrong way. Of course. Mm -hmm. uh, then the way that you're not really supposed to do it because there's some new sounds coming up and then you can sort of, you know, um, work with those sounds. So. Do, you, do you still think you do things the wrong way a little bit? In, in this way? Yeah, in the wrong I, way. I, yeah, I think so. Uh, <laughs> always uh, always Good. in the wrong way, uh, more or less. I mean, uh, now I'm a little bit older, so I... I can also, when I, I collaborate with many other composers and so on, and uh, and uh, you can actually hear that they are really skilled and in, I mean, I did a couple of records with a guy, his name is John C. He's a singer of Sigurros, his band. Okay. So mm -hmm. we did two records and I mean, he's really skilled in kind of melodic and uh, that kind of way. And then you, I add my my uh, uh, things with it. So you, then you can hear the, 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 the variety of techniques, really. That project is Dark Morph. Is yes. That correct? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when did you start that? Oh, we started that just uh, like in three years ago. Okay. Yeah. It was really not the meaning. I, I, when I met him, uh, we, I was invited to a, a boat, to come to a boat. Somebody owned the boat, and uh, she called me and said, "Can we do a project together?" And I said, "Yeah, why not." And then, um, so when, when can we talk about it? Yeah, well, anytime, you know, so, so why don't you come to my boat? Oh yeah, I can come to your boat. <laughs> so I'll send you tickets. So I had to fly from Stockholm to Fiji. Oh, <laughs> okay. And then on the airport okay. in, in Fiji airport, uh, I waited for a small propeller plane to come pick me up, to take me to an even smaller, uh, Island where the boat was. Mm -hmm. But on the airport, Yonsi came around to say, and I was like, Yonsi, what are you doing here? Because I, I met him a, a couple of times before. Okay. Oh, I'm going to uh, the Dardanella boat. So he was going to the same boat. <laughs> so we spent 10 days on this boat, uh, which was really brilliant because we, there was no intentions of doing anything. Uh, just like, you know, having some kind of holiday, you know, snorkeling around or whatever. And it was really fantastic, you know, because it's a big, huge boat with everything uh, but of course uh, since we had uh, microphones for recording underwater and uh, you know we went recording on the islands and so on and we just on the boat we just started to work with the sounds and like give them to each other and like hey here's another sound and he was going okay well, maybe this you know and, we then started, and after 10 days we actually had a, a more than an album worth of of, of music. And, uh, the funny thing is that, uh, I told John C. Eftrot that, you know, I have to confess that I've, I actually never heard Sigur Rós. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then I saw when I gave, got back to Sweden, I bought a bunch of records and then I called him and said, Hey, 
It's really good, you know. Congratulations. Really good singer and everything. It's really great productions and all, all kind of good. So then we, uh, yeah, then she, this uh, this person who, who had this boat, um, as a part of something called the TBA 21, she also had a, a little... Uh, well, not a little. So she had she had a, a mansion in uh, Jamaica. So we and we said we need to mix this the material. So we, she said, well, we, there's a studio up in the mountains, you know, near my house in Jamaica. We just fly you there, and and uh, <laughs> hey. and, and uh, so we spent a week there, ten days there, so mixing the thing. So the, it happened. It was like an accident, right? It was not nothing was really planned. It just you know? happened. And this is I like this uh, to work in this kind of way, you know, to meet people and just like okay, and you you can immediately feel that there's a there's an, an appreciation and there's something you know that you can you can uh, rely on and, and work with you know i like that oh absolutely and you've yeah. worked with a, lo- a lot of people that oh, yeah. we love john duncan being yeah. one of them mm-hmm. yeah how early on did you guys meet and start we met in together? the 90s like uh, yeah 90 actually 1990 we made a tour together in 91 um yeah together with speaking of karkovsky and andrew mckenzie of the Huffle trio and and all those people in, in, in that, uh, yeah, uh, area. So, and then me and John did a projects, exhibitions and projects together. And, um, how, and how do you guys work together as far as, is it just intuitive? Do you, does someone come up with an idea and approach? Do you guys just get together and it happens? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's based on, uh, uh, respect and acceptance. So whatever one person does, doesn't, you don't judge it. You do that, I do that, and then we just merge it. And then, does it work? Yeah, it works. So uh, this is the kind of way that, um, that uh, it works with John and me. And we are really good friends, you know, since, uh, you know, we, we have met all, all the time and kind of function together. What was that tour like? That is like, that is a heavy hidden tour. Was it in Europe? Yeah, that was yeah, that was that was pretty intense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. some serious personalities, which yeah. is that's we the best the, thing. We did yeah. the tour before was even more intense because that uh, John wasn't in that, but there was uh, Spino Karkovsky and, and me and um, and then uh, the Hafler Trio, and we did the U.S. tour in 1990. Uh, for three months, we were like shacked up oh, in this Dodge van, you know. Like, <laughs> Uh, wow so well, who, who drove, drove? Yeah, yeah yeah did you have a driver yeah, or did karkovsky drove and then eric pauser the guy that i was working with drove so he's just yeah, yeah. and i i set up the kind of sh- the tour together with david prescott in boston and das in san francisco and uh daniel plunkett in texas and uh jim o'rourke in chicago so these people were like all like hooking up these kind of pl- gig, gig places right and um yeah, it was kind of crazy. Yeah, I was that van uh, soundtrack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> there's many stories. Uh, yeah, maybe there should be a book about that tour. Actually, I, would, uh, I think so. That's I incredible. cannot even imagine. Yeah. I love the idea of these sort of pockets of people setting up shows for you across the u.s like chicago so you can handle the midwest i can book you shows here and here and while we're in texas we've got access to these areas uh who when did you start getting in contact with people in america for like doing shows and collaborating and releasing music yeah i mean i i um 
And first I was like, you know, collaborating with Mackenzie anyway. We started and we continued uh, for several years to do things together. But before that, it was more that I, I had some festivals. I organized some festivals at home too. I did the, in 1984, like the first uh, international festival for computer music. And then 86 was the second festival and so on and then a few more. Wow. And then so I got like in touch with people, you know, sending tapes, sending that tapes, uh, and so on. And and then through the label, we just like exchanged records. We were like, we never really sold any records on our label. We just like traded for, with other labels, <laughs> right? So Prescott has had this uh, Generations Unlimited label up in um, Boston area, right? And then um, Jen Ken had his uh, label in New York, the Generator. So we kind of slowly, yeah, got in touch with all these uh, yeah, with this, with the, these kind of people, Paul Lemos is like an uh, important oh, person in those, in those days. And he was writing a lot of criticism for, I don't know, some, some uh, odd uh, new music, I don't know, Choice magazine or like. Did yeah. he write for Option or Sound? Or option, he, maybe. Yeah, maybe. yeah. Option, yeah. Sound Choice. Yes. There was a few of those in here in America that was really, really nice too. Yeah. yeah, we've been we've in the past month or so. I've been talking to a lot of people about how important those magazines were. Jeff German, mm -hmm. Al Margolis, and how that was so important connecting people yeah. yes. and connecting labels and trading. And and Dave Prescott did a radio show as well, right? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, which so between all that, all this just energy happening yeah. at that and time. And all the the college radio that you had is really important for not only for the for the. Uh, for like labels like, uh, I don't know, Sub Pop or, or SST or whatever, these rock and roll labels, but also for the experimental music, uh, playing some weird stuff on the radio. They were really important. Yeah, playing yeah. it and funding different shows. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Uh, Touch, which is, you know, who's doing this festival that you're here for, was also a big one for sending stuff out to radios and getting that sort of play and getting that sort of access and kind of broadening some of the experimental music yeah. stuff at that time in the, in the nineties, especially, I think. Yeah. Um, when, and we talked about another touch release on our podcast, which is the ghost orchid. Yeah. And, uh, you have a very strong interest in electro voice phenomena. Yeah. Well, when did that start? <laughs> well, it started that I, I, um, I, uh, I was actually interested in, uh, connecting the visual art with the with the audio art because I'm also a visual artist I, I have one foot in that world I've been doing shows with Documenta and Venice Biennial and all these kind of big shows there and then I have the other foot in the music world and I, I it irritated me that the art world didn't know anything about music and the music world didn't know anything about about the art world and still you had in the 60s here in America for instance you had like cage with uh, Cunningham and Rauschenberg and have all these kind of projects in the 60s going on and then kind of cross projects. And But in the late 80s and 90s, especially, there seemed to be no connection between the those two worlds. And it irritated me a little bit. So I set up like uh, I did artworks where, where I tapped into the electric systems with um, uh, special microphones. You could hear the uh, 60 hertz kind of noise from mm -hmm. the uh, from the electricity and then i i th ran them through oscillators and so you can actually see the sound too and then people and then i told people you can sit here and then you can hear ghosts in the electrical 
uh, grids. People, uh, souls are living in there. You know, I was like totally lying. Well, <laughs> it was I'm not really lying, but I was like I was just showed the possibility that you know there you know there's Why things. Why not they? Yeah, I mean there are things here in the yeah. world that you you don't know anything about. We humans think we know everything, but we don't. And then I I did I work with radar uh, technology, uh, so I put up radars in in places, and then a big screen you can see the radar kind of. Uh, checking out the room or trying to check out the room, but this changes a little bit the 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 image, right? So I tell them this is sound, but I mean, radar is like high frequency sound that you can't hear, uh, but you can see that it's something going on in the in room. I said it's like you know entities here in the room that you cannot. So I work with this, and then suddenly somebody said, um, uh, "It's my my father-in-law said, well." I used to know this guy who lives in he lived in South Sweden uh, with uh, uh, and he's he died a few years ago but uh, he died actually ten years ago from when I was talking to him uh, his name was Friedrich Jorgensen and I know I, I met him in the fifties uh, and he still lived his widow still lives in South Sweden and you should go and see her you know she's really really nice so I went there and it turned out that Friedrich Jorgensen is the pioneer of EVP uh, from late 50s. Uh, a guy like Konstantin Raudive was his student, for instance, mm -hmm. and so on. And his entire archive was in Sweden when I came into the house. Wow. And um, What a connection. Yeah, it was really, really interesting. So I, I made a big show with his tapes and his work, and I became sort of an expert on his uh, work. Uh, and then when I, and then we made with Mike, we made a, a CD, the Friedrich Jorgensen audioscopic uh, projects with, with his recordings. Uh, and then suddenly people started to contact me. And one, one of them was uh, Michael Esposito from Chicago because he's expert EVP kind of scientist. So we started to work together. And so this is the whole kind of story of my EVP. And now I actually do workshops and, and things because I'm, I don't do it all the time because I don't want to be too too nerdy about it because mm -hmm. I have other things to do. Mm -hmm. But uh, every time you know I do this, you know it's so interesting to uh, to talk about this uh, uh, electronic voice phenomena, and it's interesting to talk about the possibilities of uh, life after life, you know, and like what is it? Do we talk about energy? You talk about life as an energy and it doesn't really have to stop. It just like is another energy forms and you, we kind of talk about this and record this. And so I think it's really, uh, uh, I think it's really interesting. Yeah. I saw a, a video of a performance of you playing some of Friedrich Jorgensen's yes. work and also playing uh, specific frequencies to go along with it. Yes. Uh, can you tell us about, about those and how they were, would complement? Yeah, I mean, sometimes I, I do sort of combinations. Uh, uh, sometimes I just play recordings I've, that I've done and I combine it with frequency combinations and just do it, use, use it as, a, as an instrument uh, because then I... Uh, because I'm foremost like an artist, I'm not like a scientist. I don't really want to prove anything, you know. But sometimes uh, I do uh, presentations where I go to a place a couple of days before and record and then analyze it. And then on the on the concert kind of presentation situation, I actually I play the sounds and I tell what the voices are saying. In the background, I sometimes have a, a, fre a frequency combination of 
I think it's 120 to 700 hertz kind of sine wave combinations that is just like as a backdrop, really. And it's really interesting in, uh, to, um, and people are really kind of thrilled, you know, because they're sitting in the same space where I actually recorded the, these voices and mm. it becomes sort of a goose bumpy kind of thing. <laughs> That's a great thing about, you know, all different types of art is that it makes you experience your reality in a different way. And I think that especially what you're describing now is just reframes the world that we're in and makes you maybe filled with a little more appreciation or wonder than you were before. I think so, yeah. Art is there. I think for one reason is just to develop our own, you know, senses and our own kind of, you know, our own living condition and, and you know, maybe maybe kind of makes us to turn us out into, into nicer animals, you know, I don't know. As Bryson, Brian Geisen said, we, man is like a bad animal, you know, maybe we could... Sometimes I think we could change that, and sometimes I don't think so. <laughs> you, know, I mean, you never know. You never know. We have to just continue and never give up. Mm. You're here tonight to perform. What is? What can we expect from the set tonight? Um, well, I, I have trying to di divide it up because I also play tomorrow with Chandra Shukla in something called Travelogue. Well, well, and that yeah. the, one of the newest records is yes. is recorded in Nepal. Yeah. yeah. And, so and, cool. and how, actually let's, let's talk about that. It's, it's a fantastic record. How did that come about? Um, the, the CD from touch. Right? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because there's an LP to, Oh, uh, I, I was Nepal using too. the record record yeah. as a general yeah. term, yeah. but I am, I guess I am speaking of the CD. Oh, no, no, yeah. No, it came came around. Uh, just, I mean, uh, I always wanted to. <clears throat> my wife asked me, you know, what do you want to have for birthday present? And I, you want to go somewhere? And I said, I've been there everywhere. <laughs> so it's kind of an obnoxious answer. But uh, then I said, no, hold on. Uh, I'd like to go to Nepal. I said, I've never been there. I always wanted to go there. So she got together with some of my friends, they kind of collected uh, the cash. So then they, they just gave me the flight ticket on my birthday. And, hey, that's, and, uh, that's, you know, that's great. Uh, and I said to myself, I'm not gonna do anything when I'm go there. I just gotta go there, you know, and spend like uh, 10 days or, or 12 days being there. They're not like involved in some kind of project or something like this and, and whatever. So, uh, so the only, but the only book I actually brought was a, was a book of early poems by Angus MacLeis because I knew that he died there from like drugs and starvation. And uh, I'm a little bit of a fan of his and he was the early, early, the first drummer of the Velvet Underground and whatever you have this mm -hmm. kind of thing. So, so I had this book and then uh, the foreword is written by Ira Cohen, another poet, beat poet from New York that I knew really well. Uh, and he, then he writes, there's a sentence saying, oh, I remember when me and Angus went to Kirtipur to listen to the wind. And that got me, okay, shit, you know, it's like, <laughs> uh, yeah. I got kind of caught there. And so I went to Kirtipur, which is just outside Kathmandu. Mm. And uh, I went up there because it's really high, steep high. And I, I made some just location recordings up there. Uh, and I said, well, you know, I... I might not do anything with it, you know, but uh, uh, whatever. So then I came back to Sweden and I listened to the recording. There was nothing on the recording. 
uh, maybe I didn't press the record or something. I don't know. I mean, it's like there was nothing there. So I bought new flight tickets. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> and I flew back. <laughs> You're like, I am getting get this. I'm not going to get up, give up on this, you know, when I'm starting it, you know. So I, I, I bought new flight tickets. And then Chandra mailed me and said, what are you doing? You know, I'm on my way to Kathmandu. So now I'm, I'm, I'm coming. So Chandra came there too. So then I told him when he, when we got there, I told him, well, it's one thing I have to do by myself and that's make a recording in Kirtipur. Then we can do whatever we want, you know? So I made that recording and I like pocketed it. And then we made other recordings in Kathmandu and in various temples and other places in Pokhara and so on in Nepal. And then we uh, just started to work on, on this travelogue uh, record. It is put out by touch. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Do you have That's a great. favorite device that you bring for situations like that? Is it just, you know, like a... Oh. Like a recorder? Mm-hmm. Actually, I have a Zoom recorder. Uh, and, but uh, when I do EVPs, we have, me and Michael Esposito, we have this cheap dictaphone, uh, kind of digital di- dictaphones mm-hmm. because they're so crappy. And they don't really have a, like a limiter, you know, they just like, so it catches like all this garbage everywhere. And we want to have that. We yeah. want to have the noise you want to have the stuff that you can't we don't we don't want to have it filtered right not too so, clean no yeah so there's different ones otherwise sometimes uh i mean i've been using my iphone quite a lot because i mm. think that's a really good uh, microphone in there you know for just normal recordings and so on so so when you do a travelogue set like you're going to do tomorrow are you gonna is it going to be some pre-recorded stuff is it going to be how, how how do you approach something like that? Well, it will be basically when we played together once before in uh, Austria in this summer. Uh, but I, I was supposed to play a solo concert, and then Chandra was there, and then I said, "Hey, why why don't you just join me?" You know, and then he just say, "That's I'm going to do like this, this," and then he just like locked in and like, and it became really well. And then we were talking about doing travelogue live, and then. We went to Bali together and recorded, and we like, let's do a travelogue Bali record because we we did this gamelan course and we we're studying oh, gamelan nice. music, and I, I was a total idiot, and I I felt like an idiot when I was studying with the gamelan because <laughs> they was they are so they they must have a memory that's like amazing, right? And I'm, I'm, I think my memory is. Or maybe Scandinavian or something. I don't know, but uh, but still. Uh, and then then we were gonna play something here, and I said, yeah, well, why don't we try to record something here? So there will be a travelogue Hollywood because we went up to the Hollywood sign and just made recordings. Because I said, well, the Hollywood sign is is the major symbol of Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. And you don't have anything more really more, I mean, you have the Capitol Records building, you have, I mean, you have many things, but the Hollywood sign is like major, right? So if you want to catch anything by, by Los Angeles and let's, let's go to the Hollywood sign record some whatever we can find there and see if we can put some microphones on the, on some uh, earth, you see the vibrations, whatever, see what we can find, you know, and that's what we have, some something like that. Wow. That's going to be used for tomorrow's performance as well. Yeah. 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 Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, let's see tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) And then what about your solo set then tonight? Yeah. The solo set tonight will be, it will be based on uh, just before 
like a year before the coronavirus started to kind of roam around, I had some meetings with a virologist and and uh, and a um, microbiologist and a quantum physicist at the uh, Karolinska Hospital in, in in Stockholm, and I told them, uh, can we can we record virus? Uh, because I have done recordings earlier with um, emission spectroscopy uh, mm-hmm. technique where you can record material and you can record because all ma- material have frequencies, right? It, it's everything moves, right? It's just that you have to detect it and then transform it into an audible signal. So I've been done doing that with ver- various things. And as I told them, maybe we could do this with, with virus. And they got really into it, you know, and then... But then, uh, so we let's. So I said, let's start in one end. Let's give me the DNA for the DNA RNA codes for um, uh, HIV, herpes, and influenza. Uh, so they gave me the. So I I did. Uh, I started to do like did two concerts with HIV in uh, in Italy. Mm-hmm. I did one concert with the. Uh, Influenza in London, and then Corona happened. It's like okay, shit, you know. Okay. <laughs> and then they sent me the Wuhan DNA RNA from the Wuhan from the Corona, the COVID nineteen oh, wow. virus. So hey, here you go. Here the <laughs> then I said, well, you know, this is a little bit too much now because it's like, uh, you know, it feels a little bit like opportunistic. Just to like, you know, if you start to yeah. do like virus concerts during a virus epidemic, it's, yeah. like, it's not really kind of, it's not really nice, you know, but if you do it in a, in a subtle way, you don't like boast it out and like scream it out and like, you know, you just like use it. Maybe we could actually use it as a kind of a homeopathic medicine to kind of, you know, fight the virus, you know, with the virus itself, <laughs> because that was, was, was what the, what caught the, the interest from the virologists and the um, immunologists was that maybe we can use sound to, you know, work with viruses or against viruses, mm-hmm. or let's see how the viruses actually reacts when it's actually confronted with itself, you know, and this kind of, I mean, it's magic, right? So um, I'm going to use some of those uh, COVID-19 DNA uh, structures to, uh, to, tonight. Okay. Wow. Uh, well, really mutated and like kind of, you know, screwed up. Uh, and then some low frequency sound and some, uh, and then I'm going to, I went in Nepal, I got this, uh, of course, um, it's forbidden now, but but uh, this uh, flute from uh, uh, a kangling, yeah, that you make from a human yeah. thigh bone. Yes. <laughs> so I said maybe this is could be good too, actually, to use in combination with this uh, corona COVID nineteen. Uh, so I'm, I have a uh, some kind of drones with those. It'll be a kind of a combination of that, and then it will be an improvisation because I really have to see what Mark is doing before me and. And, uh, you know, and like, see how the whole night goes and see how the what, night goes, how exactly. the feel is, because I'm last, you know, it's like, maybe everybody's totally exhausted or maybe, maybe they've, maybe they're not even around, you know, in the longer, um, well, I have a uh, feeling so, people will stick uh, around. I think they'll stick around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For any of those recordings, were there sounds that you were surprised by when you were listening to the sounds of objects? 
or even viruses? No, not really. I mean, the viruses is so, it's it's just like four letters, yeah. right? So you could just transpose them into mm -hmm. tones and then like, you know, work with that. So that's not, I, I, mean, I was surprised that it worked actually really well because it could just be like a dodgy melody. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. Uh, and then what are you going to do with that? You know, but that, yeah, so that was a surprise. But actually the sounds that surprised me most is actually the EVPs. Oh, yeah. Because they're already, always, uh, you know, kind of um, surprising in a way. I mean, mm -hmm. they are, I mean, you can talk about like what it is. I mean, uh, you can talk about like, I mean, I hear a sound, it sounds like something, I enhance it, I, I EQ it. I check it out. It sounds like a voice, but it's also my fantasy and my kind of imagination that actually brings forth this uh, this idea mm. that it's actually somebody saying a sentence or a word or a, or something. But I'm always surprised that if something actually comes out, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that there is actually, uh, you know, sort of a, it's a form of animism putting putting a human touch to something, you know, unfamiliar. Yes. Yes. Uh, so it, it could be that it, 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 you don't really know. I mean, it's like a, uh, like an image too, like an abstract, so-called abstract image. And you suddenly, s or you watch clouds. It's the oh, only thing I can see. Yeah. You, know, you see things in the clouds, <laughs> you know, and like you kind of, you know, your imagination going, but yeah, it's also an animism that, um, I've been doing object, you are working with some objects actually that, which is really is, uh, animism. Because that was also emission spectroscopy coming from that material only. Right. No, that's, and that's so surprising. It's gorgeous. I mean, we've yeah. listened to it so many yeah. times there's no, there's no, over the last uh, month. Additional electronic instruments or anything like this. It's only mm -hmm. the, the the substance, the material. Wow. Uh, yeah. And I, I was actually, when I got the record from Mike, like the test pressing, and then you kind of, you know, when you, you, you listen, like you're somebody else, listen, mm -hmm. right. and suddenly you're like, you have to have this distance and I listened to half of it and then I turned it off and I, because I, it was, uh, I'm, I don't want to brag about it, but it was so good, you know, that yeah. I couldn't, it was like overwhelming, you know, so I, I'm st after 10 minutes of like stopping here, I can't, this is too much. <laughs> <laughs> and then I listened to the rest, the rest of it like tomorrow, you know. <laughs> and that was that was really a surprise that it yeah. came out so so interesting. Mm -hmm. do, you you have, do you have any more live plans lined up this year, or lining some things up right now? Mm, no, I don't. This is the main. This this fest is the main thing right now. Yeah, I mean the. Uh, uh, I am here because I will be back here in September. Um, because I'm doing, I have been doing for the last uh, 20 years something called Freak Out. It's like uh, F-R-E-Q, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, which is like a large sound installation that's been going on mostly in Europe and so on, uh, in museums, and where I've invited 12 sound artists and composers and whatever to, like, I give them frequency ranges and they have to do a piece and then you play all the frequency ranges at the same time. It becomes like this marvelous one big, huge kind of symphonic piece, really. Excellent. Uh, I believe so, I also saw a video of you uh, performing this. Was 84, 84 live channels with different frequency ranges? Is this the yeah, same thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Th 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 this is something that came up after that where uh, with, with something called Freak Wave, F-R-E-Q Wave, which was about water. And then 
COVID happened, so I did uh, it all digital, uh, inviting 84 sound artists to participate in this. Uh, Very cool. Yeah, so it would be a huge 24-channel loudspeaker installation up at Mount Wilson at the observatory. Oh, wow. Wow. we will be there. Who who all is, is going to be a part of it, or do you have it lined up yet? Yeah, there is uh, some some uh, some artists. Uh, uh, I mean, there's two from from the early freak out. Jana Winderen uh, from Norway and Jim Thurlwell. Uh, oh, very cool. Yeah, and then there are a few people from here from L.A. Richard Chartier, Greg Anderson from Sun, mm-hmm. and Yonsi from Sigoros. Oh, great! Mm-hmm. And then there are. Um, Bethan Kellogg, I hope she hasn't, uh, yeah, I think she has answered yes. And then there will be, uh, yes, some more. So it will be a, a in, an interesting combination oh, of that's gonna be great. Oh, wow. musicians. Yeah, it'll be really good. And there'll be some live shows too up there and so on. And uh, yeah, we're, we're kind of working on it now. Hey, I, yeah. I have a feeling Noise <laughs> Extra is going to be on the spot. So yes. we, will, we will definitely be there. Well, this has been really cool. Obviously, we could talk for a long time, but now you got stuff to yes, unite. You have true. not only a performance, but you're doing a little talk, I believe, right before as well, a little yeah, Q&A. Yeah. So we will definitely we'll let you go prepare you further. for that. Yeah, but you've been so cool. Oh, this has amazing. been so cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, we'll have more of a chance to talk in September, okay, perhaps. I think we might <laughs> yeah. have to meet up yeah. again. Yeah. And, and, and check out with, uh, I mean, the main organizer for this is Robert Crouch. Okay. Who is playing here? Uh, not tonight, but maybe tomorrow. Yeah. And he's he he's he's the contact in LA for in the organizing the whole thing. If you want to know more about okay. it and so yeah, fantastic. Cool. Oh, yeah, I'd yeah. love to. That so thank you for inviting awesome. me to talk to you. This guys. was so cool. Mm. We're yeah. excited to see you play tonight and tomorrow and now in September. Yeah. This is great news. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. thanks so much. And 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 then we, as we always say, is there a good spot for people to keep up with what you're doing? Uh, Bandcamp website or just sort of just sort of everywhere figure really. it out yeah, yeah. just yeah. google it you got it yeah yeah, yeah yeah give it a goog <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you so much yeah thank you you've been listening to noise extra noise extra is brought to you by chondritic sound a home to noise artists for over 17 years by verdant weapons maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices and by our patreon supporters you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at noise extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to noise. <laughs>